Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Dear gas prices, go take a hike. Toyota is the number one retail brand for electrified vehicles for 22 years. The Toyota hybrid lineup brings efficiency with power and savings with style. Not to mention top tech to help keep you connected. Plush premium interiors and the most advanced Toyota safety features. So, now you know who you're talking to. Toyota, the number one retail brand for electrified vehicles for 22 years. With a hybrid or electric vehicle built for every driver. Seriously, dear gas prices, do you really think you can stand in our way? Think again. Toyota Hybrids. Find yours at Toyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Based on manufacturer estimates, see why 2000 through 2021 sales. Everybody, Frank Lampard is the new Everton manager. Deal finally struck by the football club today. An interesting appointment, essentially a divisive appointment, but I'm sure we're all very happy that it's over and done with. Uh, so as we tend to do here on the Blue Room, big appointment. Uh, we spoke to the people who know all about our new boss. Back to back conversations here. First and foremost, it's Richard Cusack from the Derby Telegraph who told us all about Lampard's time at Derby and a little bit about Wayne Rooney as well and everything's potential interest in him, which was unrequainted in the end. And following that, it's Jacob Steinberg from The Guardian, who covers Chelsea over there, who started covering Chelsea when Frank Lampard started as Chelsea manager at a spell at Stamford Bridge at his former club where he had a mixed spell. Uh, the greatest ever player at Stamford Bridge, but not necessarily the greatest manager there. But there's some good points, some bad points, and we got into it all over the course of the next 40 minutes. Uh, really appreciate everyone for listening. And fingers crossed we can draw a line under this managerial search now and move forward and get this team going in the right direction in the Premier League. But here's hopefully every question you've got about our new manager answered by the people who know best. That might be, I mean, the, the thing is, that's probably a little bit harsh, but the only reason why I say that is because ultimately he took a team that had finished six under Gary Rower and, and while the, the season before, and, and while there was obviously a big turnover in players, he had some really, really good players in that side. Mason Mount on loan was just like, in the, in the championship in 2018, Mason Mount was playing you know, second tier football. I mean, he was injured for a little bit, so that didn't help. But Harry Wilson as well, and Fikeo Tamori, who got transferred to AC Milan for 30, 30 odd million quid in a couple of years' time. He had a really good, really, really good team. Spent a lot of money on some really bad players like Martin, Martin Waghorn, about five or six million pounds on him. Jack Marriott, you know, two players who've left on free transfers last summer. But the recruitment wasn't great apart from the loan players. And the thing is, he got Derby in the, in the playoff final, fair play. That is a good achievement. 
beat Leeds United in that memorable night for Derby fans. But after that, what's your, what is your legacy? And ultimately, the legacy was very bad signings for a lot of money on big contracts. And ultimately, it's a situation where you've left after a year. It still leaves a sour taste even now. You can probably probably hear in my voice. <laughs> it left a sour taste how it ended, Lampard and Derby fans. Giving him his route into management. And after, after a year, it played out over the summer. The players reported back for pre-season in the July and the manager was still, um, it was an unclear situation. So it, it didn't leave um, on the greatest of um, on, on the greatest of terms. And also I would say that while some of the football was superb, I'm thinking about back to games against, there was one in, against Blackburn. There was some in, um, the, in the run to the playoffs, but there were some bad performances. Rotherham and Bolton early on in the season, some, some bad performances. I mean, it, it, you know, it, it wasn't. It was a memorable season uh, in terms of terms of memories. Beating Man United, getting to the playoffs, beating Leeds. But after that, just the legacy. But what he left behind wasn't wasn't ideal in the slightest for Philip Koku, the next man to pick up. It's really interesting that because obviously I wouldn't have watched Derby anywhere near as much much as yourself. But from when I did see them that campaign, my, my standout memories were of a team like you said that played. Attacking football didn't always get it right by any means, but it, it felt like there was a real bond between Lampard, the players, and, and the fans. And, and and the game that does spring to mind is the one you mentioned there. The, you know the away game uh, where Derby went to Leeds and, and won four two to get get in the playoff final. You know that that night it sort of felt like a a club in in unison with you know players that were playing for the manager. You know there's the video clip of him singing in the change rooms afterwards. It, it felt like he he really. You know, fostered a great sense of unity there. Yeah, that's absolutely right. the The fans would would name that season as well. Apart from this season, of course, where um, you know, the the players, the management, and because the players were really funny on social media as well. There was a real camaraderie. The the club were putting out videos where um, they were playing pranks on each other and stuff. And the squad, the squad was 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 um was as one. And and it's interesting to pick up on that Leeds game because, to be fair to Lampard. That Leeds game was one where he showed his tactical acumen and actually outfoxed Marcelo Bielsa by going with a diamond formation that I don't think Derby had played at all um, that season. So that was, you know, that, that, that's one thing to pick up on. That he he, he did he did switch that up and showed a bit of tactical now in, in that game. But obviously it will be remembered for giving Derby fans one of the best nights certainly in recent history following following the club. And to be fair, it's. Looking at how Lampard, what Lampard can do to Everton, what he did when he came in with Derby was he was obviously a rookie manager, and he's still a rookie manager. He's only managed two and a half seasons, hasn't he, in, in, in total? So there's not, a, not there's not a great, um, there's, there's not a lot, there's not a big back catalogue to look at. But certainly in terms of being at Derby, he used his contacts to get transfers, and you're perhaps already seeing that with links to Donny Van der Beek, for example. Don't don't be surprised to see. Um, Although it will be diff- different with Everton in the Premier League, certainly. But don't be surprised to see Lampard use his contacts to bring players in because that's one thing, that was one massive plus for him um, moving to Derby. It's very hard to say with, with Lampard because you can, it, I think it depends um, what how you approach it with him. I think he, he seems to wind people up um, where, people who, who don't support Chelsea. There seems to be a certain level of glee in um, 
in him seeing uh, being seen to have done badly and I think there's a I don't know whether there's an element of people thinking that you know he's there's a there's an element of privilege there that he got a quite a good job as his first job out of out of nowhere and then after a year having not taken Derby into the into the Premier League when he had you know quite a good squad there and, and people like Mason Mount and Tamori on loan um, that he then walked into the Chelsea job, which you know, we're in, it, it was certain circumstances there and everything, but it feels like people, uh, there, there, some people have been waiting for him to fail. So on the on the other hand, there, there you know, on, there, there will be people who will have really really back him and would sort of come in a, in a positive way and point out, you know, I, you know, he got Derby, he did get Derby to the playoff final, and he got them playing a really nice style of football and at Chelsea got them into the Champions League and despite having the transfer ban so it's quite hard at times to know where exactly you want to how how to approach it with him because there are so many kind of um there you know there's there's so many caveats at times both to, to both sides of the argument both negative and positive you kind of you can take it the negative way you can take it the positive way and each time there feels like there's a counterpoint and the thing is that he's only had two and a half seasons as a manager and they're both such different jobs that he um that he that he had Derby and Chelsea that it's kind of hard to know exactly where his uh, where his level lies and the fact that he you know that he had such a big jump from championship to one of the biggest clubs in Europe and and that and, and that obviously ended so badly at Chelsea it, it it feels like what where exactly does the where where, the, where do you go from Chelsea and and, and but, but also as a club, how exactly do you judge him? Because it's very, you know, what might, what, what, what Chelsea might have needed in, in, in the summer of June you know, in, in, in 2019 is not necessarily what Everton need now, which is, you know, someone to take them away from the, from the bottom three and really sort of give a, um, a struggling side and club a, a, a lift. And that wasn't what Chelsea needed and it wasn't really what Derby needed. So it's, it's kind of hard to tell exactly what, um, whether he would have a massively galvanising effect. I mean, you know, when he when he when he came into Chelsea, and it he, he was very easy for him to have that galvanising effect because he was a he was a club legend, and um, he was you know coming into Everton, he's an outsider. He's not he's, you know, he's a Essex Essex guy and everything, and from down south, so it's not like he's a he'll he'll know necessarily the city. So that will be something that we'll have to get used to and everything, and, and work out a connection with the. With the fans and um, and very quickly get going and, and you know it's, it's just it's very hard to tell with him where how how it will work out. You know, I think that that's a really interesting way of putting it. And sort of looking at that that first season of Chelsea, which is you know obviously the the, the main positive part of his, his tenure with the football club, you can sort of do that even with that campaign as well, can't you? Because like you said, obviously he had the the energy which he harnessed by being you know one of the club's greatest ever footballers. He played young players, obviously, in, um, in Mason Mount and Reese James. But you obviously look at them now and think, well, of course he was going to play them, the, the, the really good young footballers. Um, but overall, that, that felt like a really impressive body of work that first season because he came and he had to integrate a lot of new lads into the setup. Chelsea had lost another one of the greatest ever players in Eden Hazard. And I know Christian Pulisic was brought in in the January. So he sort of got around the transfer ban. But it felt like that season, at least, the he did a really good job of sort of steadying the football club at a time where things could have maybe gone a little bit off the rails. 
Yeah, I think that that I think it would be a very harsh critic and someone who would really want to kick all kinds of holes in Lampard's body of work, who would just take that um, first season and just completely write it off and say, no, this guy is a complete joke and just look at how it worked out when he had um, the, the backing of the summer that came. I mean, it, it really has to be pointed out he didn't have... Uh, he, he wasn't able to make signings and, and Pulisic, yes, he did get Pulisic and that's something that shouldn't be overlooked and Chelsea spent a lot of money on him but that was a player that was signed before Lampard came in and also a player who was very, very young uh, and, and didn't have any Premier League experience and it took a while to settle. I don't think he was ready to, he wasn't, uh, you know, when he, he wasn't at the Eden Hazard level, you know, it's not like they were signing a, a sure thing in, in Pulisic. So, you know, it, it it could have been a different manager who might have taken it on, uh, who might have taken on that role, and may not have um, may not have promoted the youngsters in such a big way. They may not have trusted people. You know, it could have been a, a manager who might have stuck around. Maybe if Sarri had stuck around, he might have uh, trusted um, Giroud more than Tammy Abraham, and he might have trusted uh, Ross Barkley more than Mason Mount, I and mean, given him more starts. But very quickly. Mason Mount was the was the main man in that in that midfield, and and that was that was a that was a bold move that Lampard took, even taking into account the the transfer ban and taking into account how good a lot of those youngsters were. It still took someone to to really give them a a, a real chance, and there were points, there were high points that they um, there was the very impressive win over. Um, Jose Mourinho's Tottenham at a point when it seemed like Tottenham were going in the right direction under under Mourinho. They went to uh, the they, they went to Spurs in December after a bit of a bad run Chelsea had had, and he and he actually you know they they've been playing in a four three three four two three one for quite a long time, pretty much all season. And he caught uh, Mourinho out that day going to a back three, which does to be fair you know suit a lot of these players, and it was something they did. You know, they still kind of had in their sort of in their muscle memory from the Conte days. Very, very good that day. A big win that kind of, you know, against the Champions League rival at the time. Uh, he beat, um, he, he won at Arsenal. I know, you know, it's not the best Arsenal side, but they won there. Beat Manchester United in the uh, in the FA Cup semi-final. Uh, he, he, they, they beat Liverpool along the way. They gave Liverpool some good games that season. Um, only got one win, but they did give, that was, that was the, Liverpool side that won the league, and they give, they did give them some some problems. He beat Man he beat uh, Manchester City at home that season, and he got them out of a relatively tough Champions League group as well. They were a bit lucky to get out of that group. There was there was uh, there was you know some some hairy moments I'd say in that group, uh, but they 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 had Lille, Ajax, and um, that was a very good Ajax side, and they had Valencia as well, decent Valencia side, uh, and and they got out of that group. Uh, it, I think in I think they were finished. They finished second, last sixteen. You know they 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 got a very tough draw. They got Bayern Munich, who went on to win the Champions League that season. And the the difference that you know the level was very very clear in the first leg. And I don't think that I don't think that Thomas Tuchel with the um, with the side that Lampard had available to him at that point with no signings would have done much better than 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 how Lampard did against that Bayern side, who were at the absolute peak of the power. So. You know there were definite um, there were definite positives. The the flip side to it, you know, the caveats that come in that I was talking about before. You know, let's take that that Champions League run. I'll, I'll give you one. I'll give you well maybe two games. They get 
they they won they won well at Ajax uh, when that was a they they won one nil at Ajax and it was a very kind of professional um, impressive clinical away performance in Europe and you kind of thought mm, this is going in the right direction. They then get Ajax at home and they drew four all with Ajax. Ajax were four one up and it took a real like massively controversial refereeing moment where the ref sent off two Ajax players in a minute and gave Chelsea a penalty uh, at 4-1, so down to nine men. Uh, they get it back to four all, but even at four all, the, you know, in that in that game, Ajax with nine men were creating chances. Chelsea's so defensively suspect that season. They went to Valencia as well. Um, honestly, that game could have finished, it finished two all. That game could have, I remember that, it could have finished, you know, 7-5 to Valencia, anything. It could have been anything. And they like Chelsea, they... They were, re- you know, Val- the Valencia striker. Remember, I think it's the guy that leads R- Rodrigo missing an absolutely inexplicable open goal in the 95th minute, which basically would have put Chelsea out and into the Europa League. So there were all these kind of knife edge moments even throughout that run. It's, you know, it took. They were, they they finished fourth um, that that season. It, it it they conceded along the way 54 goals at home. They had a lot of um, dodgy results at home against. Um, against sort of teams that you would expect them to be. You know, they lost at home to Bournemouth, Southampton around Christmas. Um, they, they they got stuffed at Liverpool after uh, during Project uh, Restart. They got stuffed at Sheffield United during Project Restart, which um, saw sort of Lam- one of the first real moments of Lampard kind of turning on the players publicly. So they, they, they only got in there on the last day when they did do well against Wolves. You know, then a week later, FA Cup final against uh, against Arsenal, they go one nil up. It's not a great Arsenal side, and in the end, you know they, they they lose that, unable to handle pretty much, pretty much just unable to handle Aubameyang. And um, so you know there were all these sort of positives and negatives that were kind of coming into it at the same time. And then it you know comes to the summer, and the stakes just get so much higher with the um, with the signings that were made. Uh, you know the, the shackles are off in terms of spending. I think it was like two hundred. 20 million on around eight players that, that came in and we all know how it turned out something you probably do know progressive can not only offer you a great price when you bundle home and auto they offer you round-the-clock protection something you probably don't know the average oak tree branch can hold 70 pounds something you probably do know your neighbor is building their kid a treehouse something you probably don't know a falling treehouse would take out your whole fence bundle your home and auto with progressive and get more than a great price get round-the-clock protection Something you know for the things you don't know. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates, and third-party insurers and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. Sports Social Podcast Network.